Hello and welcome to the Orthopraxis podcast, episode 29, the beginning of a new series. I am James O'Farron here with Ravi Timi, as always. Hello. And today we are beginning a series, as I mentioned, on a new topic, which is kind of a launching pad from our last episode on the banquet and ball, which is might start a tradition like because last year we started a series right after banquet and ball as well on masculinity, femininity. And this time we're talking about honor and shame and dignity and contempt and things like that. So who knows what we might end up with next year's banquet and ball <laughs> launching a series <laughs> on. Uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see what we come up with that time. <laughs> who knows? Maybe a series on leadership or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> anyway. Yes. We were so, planning this as a, to be a single episode on honor. And shockingly enough, we decided <laughs> it was going to take a little longer than one episode to talk about this whole thing. Yeah, so this is going to be our introductory episode. We have a few more lined up in general topical directions that we're going to run in. I know, right? Weird us planning episodes that just seem so foreign, <laughs> strange. But we have a general idea of the direction we're kind of going to go with this because there's like several distinct components that need some more diving into. So this was kind of lay the general framework for honor systems from a biblical context. Why are we talking about this in the first place? What do we mean by what we're talking about? And how does this impact our lives? And then we'll spend other episodes diving more deeply into that. So as always, we're going to start off with defining some terms, which immediately became a challenge because Ravi, what exactly does Webster's 1828 say about honor? A lot. It, it, it says a lot. So it's got honor as a noun. And it has no less than 14 different definitions, different uses of the word honor as a noun, noun, just as a noun. And then after that, it gives a couple of like clarification and situational stuff. And then we go to honor as a verb. And then we have a, are treated to another six definitions <laughs> of it as a verb. It There's a lot. Which, interestingly enough, uh, one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven, at least seven of the examples given are all scripture verses out of all those definitions. So this is... That's one of the reasons I love Webster's 1828. Oh, Webster's 1828 is the best for that. Absolutely. Yes. I, I think it's, it still holds the record for the most number of scriptural references in the quotations in a dictionary in the English language. I think it still has the record, which I find problem. absolutely fascinating. Uh, so this is already explicitly coming from a biblical perspective. So there is this idea like, well, honor is something... Talked about in the Bible, obviously, <laughs> in the There's um, passages. But one of the things, like specifically about defining honor, yeah. whenever you ask someone to define it, especially people who talk about it a lot, mm -hmm. they get this kind of misted over look on their face <laughs> and just, like, start doing like verbal contortions and what, what, wax what, poetic what instead of precise. Right. They either wax poetic or they talk about what it looks like. Mm hmm. It, it's one of those things that's very hard to define, yeah. but it's very easy to see. Yes, there's, there's an instinct, it seems, within us that recognizes it. It's like it's part of the, the 
transcendental good, true, and beautiful intersection that their honor is in the heart of that somewhere or like a way of living out that which is good, true, and beautiful so that we recognize it intuitively on a spiritual level, but to try and quantify it is nigh impossible. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge to be sure. Right. So, so some of the definitions of honor from the 1828 is like the esteem due or paid to worth high estimation, mm-hmm. a testimony of esteem an expression of respect or high estimation by words or actions as the honors of war, military honors, funeral honors, civil honors. Mm-hmm. Then we got like dignity or reference or reputation, true nobleness of mind, an assumed, an assumed, <laughs> an assumed appearance of nobleness, any particular virtue, which much, uh, much valued. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it, it it has all these very wide open, right? but a lot of them have to do with like the worth of a man or the yes. worth of a woman or your- The estimation of a person right. on some- The value. Factor. And some it's, of these it's like- It's a value word. Yes. And, and it's, it's tied directly to values, but it also, you see in all these different directions, some of this is like uh, privileges of rank or birth. Uh, or a noble kind of seniory or, or lordship, right? Uh, or nobleness of mind or reputation. Like these are all different dimensions of societal values. So you look at a society and you see how they relate to each other. There's all these different relationships that we have. Like a person can, um, by right of birth, have certain advantages. We talked about this way back when we were talking about class and race. Uh, many, many episodes ago and how people, yeah, there are people who have a, they're born into a place that has a higher advantage um, out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also people who have a, a spiritual uh, purity that they have developed. They have repented and they have sought righteousness and become more virtuous. That's a different kind of honor or somebody might be granted as a reward for having accomplished something great and powerful or grinned by something by great sacrifice, and they are granted a particular honor. So that, but these are all relational, right? They're all right. within honor has society, a within do, community. Right, a lot to do with exchange and giving and taking and receiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's yes, it's very relational by, like all these definitions have to do with the interconnectedness of it all. Yeah. You stand on your own, there is no honor or shame because it's fundamental to community, to having multiple people relating to each other in this particular way. So it's like a recognition of, by one person, of another person before another person. You need like at least three or more people really to actually have a sense of honor um, or shame, which brings us to- Honor requires a community. It right. requires a community, absolutely. And, and you, you, I could even argue that in order to have a community, you have to have honor. Mm. Like it's, it's like a prerequisite. It's part of the glue that makes a community a community because you have to honor and shame kind of define the boundaries of a community. Right. Right. So if you don't have that boundary defined, you don't have that community. There's no definition to it. Right. Correct. There's no inside or outside. So there is no thing <laughs> in right. that sense. So 
that's where that would be a horizontal type model, which we'll get into in a moment. Uh, but one of the things that in this definition, it talks about to dignify um, or dignity as, as synonyms. But as we know, synonyms don't mean they're equivalent in meaning. They are related in meaning. And so it can be useful to distinguish these terms. So some people use these interchangeably, uh, but there is a value in distinguishing these terms. So we're in this series going to distinguish between a honor and shame balance and a dignity and contempt balance as two separate things. Yes. That's going to be really important as we go forward. So the idea is that honor and shame are on a spectrum. If you have, if you are positively esteemed, you have honor. If you're negatively esteemed, you have shame. And that defines this boundaries of a community around a set of common values that are shared by that community um, that provide that sense of honor. So that's kind of our working definition that we're going with. And then you've got dignity, which is, and contempt as two opposition's. As on, the, on the side of that. So dignity is something that you expect of everyone. It's not an in or an out thing. It's a universal thing. Okay. So as you, you could say, it's a larger circle applying to just humans, but you could even treat it to animals or living things and even to the earth and the mm -hmm. universe as well. Like what is the dignity that is due an animal? Like the Bible says, you know, a man, a righteous man regards the life of his beast, but tender mercy of the wicked are cruel. So we are supposed to show a certain amount of dignity to animals, not the same dignity as to humans. Um, so you could say it's like a larger circle of a community. Right. Um, that was a larger category of honor. So you could redefine dignity as that sense of honor, which applies to all, humans or to all animals or larger circles like that. But anyway, the idea though is Would that you... dignity is what, is what applies to every single human is what we're working with right here as a basic sense of humanhood. And if you have contempt for them, you are treating them as less than human. Yes. Outside of the group of the human group, the, the, those who mm -hmm. are worthy of this basic level of dignity, yes. this basic shared thing that we all have, there are those those who are contemptible or those who for whom you have contempt mm -hmm. are below even that basic level that everyone's supposed to have. They have put themselves outside of humanity, basically. Yes, exactly. Which we would argue that to show contempt for another human um, is a bad thing. This is this is not a valid sure. way of relating to another human. Um, whereas shame is, we argue is actually a good and healthy thing in the right context. And it's, but it's when we mix up honor and dignity or shame and contempt that things get hairy. Right. So what's, what's interesting is honor and shame are very, are very much relational. Like we've been talking about yep. it's you get honor from people who are in community with you, who you care yep. about their opinions. You care about being part of this group mm -hmm. and shame is when you don't live up to those expectations, when you don't have honor from the group. Yep. Dignity is something that you should, everyone should have. This is actually like the Imago Dei is where this comes the, from. The immutable, being the, the made immutability. in the image of yeah. God. Yeah. Right. All men are made in the image of God. We are given, we are God created for a purpose and we're created in a certain way. Mm -hmm. 
and the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it. It has dignity because it's created by God. No matter and no matter how much sin contaminates it, it is it still, still has that role, that core, that yes. that true core, and that's what we uh, that's what's worthy of dignity. Right. But contempt is saying you have gone beyond the pale and you no longer are in the image of God, which is not possible thing that we are capable of. So in you a are, sense to show no matter how twisted somebody, you become, you are still a creature of God. Exactly. So it's like, if you are showing contempt to another person, you are effectively putting yourself in the place of God and saying, God gave you worth, but I don't. That's a really bad place to put yourself in. That's a really bad place to put yourself in. So if you look at, in the contrast to this, if you look at that, that dignity um, stems from the immutable image of God that's within each of us. Uh, You look at honor as like the likeness of God, because we each have a marred uh, sin, uh, sinful nature that gives us a proclivity towards sin we are you know we only see god through a glass darkly we are we are distorted by sin and its presence in our lives and we're bound by it and it corrupts our life and hurts us and brings death into the world and all kinds of evil right and we are constantly striving or should be to become like christ to take on the likeness of christ we have the image of Mm -hmm. god but we also need the likeness of god Right. So this is the whole process of sanctification, of growth in the Christian walk is to become like God. That's what orthopraxis right. is, is becoming being, like God. Right. right. Being conformed <laughs> to the image of Christ and exactly. being conformed to the likeness to be exactly. like him for when we will see him, we will be like him for we will see him as he is. That exactly. that whole concept of us growing more and more to almost like reversing Adam's curse. I think that's, that's yes, exactly what it the, is. the idea of the curse is a twisting of the likeness of God. It's a distortion. Mm-hmm. And what sanctification is, is an undoing of that damage. It's a, it's a, writing a healing of the wrong that has been happening. Like, right. like sin is a wounding of us and our likeness and um, sanctification is the healing of that wound. Right. Um, by the grace of God, as he comes in, because we can't heal ourselves, we can only by the grace of God, right. that he comes in and provides us that healing. So this is a degrees thing, though. We are some people have more of the likeness of Christ uh, and others have mm-hmm. less. Some people are actively running away from the likeness of Christ and becoming more like demons instead of more like God. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's these these degrees like a hierarchy of how close we are to us and how we've gained and how we've developed as we've matured from infants as Christians to mature um, adults as Christians. And then on uh, to higher heights of um, spiritualness, which he talks about in scripture, like though, you who are spiritual, you know, restore this other person who's fallen in the spirit of meekness. Mm-hmm. Right. So that these people who are more spiritual than others, like this is an actual thing. Um despite how unpolitically correct that is, there are actually people who are holier than that. (laughs) (laughs) Holier than thou is a real thing. It's actually a thing. We want to be that actually. (laughs) Not as like, I want to push others down so I'm more holy than it's like, no, I I want to try strive to be more holy, which is going to be that there's going to be people I'm more holy than. So that's not the point though. The point that would make me, you know, prideful, which would make me unholy, which would defeat the purpose. <laughs> so through humility, which we'll get to later, uh, we seek after holiness. And so that, but there's, there's degrees of this and we recognize it. And other people like, I say this person 
is amazing. Like I am inspired by this person's life and how much this person has, you know, uh, repented of their sins and drawn close to God. And they're living this beautiful example, the likeness of God in the world. And I want to be like that person, which is kind of the whole point of a patron saint, right? Um, we look at the saints, we look at these heroes in our lives or in the past or in scripture. And we say, yeah, this person we want to emulate. Like that's the whole point of the hall of heroes in Hebrews 11, right? Like these people did amazing things by faith. Go you be should like be that. like that. Be like that, that right? Uh, that <laughs> is honor. That's what honor is, right? Yes. So honor is this variable degree by which we live out the likeness of Christ, right? Right. And it, so as opposed to dignity, which is immutable, that's, honor right. is mutable. Right. And what's interesting is that honor can is either there or you have shame, mm-hmm. but there's a way to go from shame back, back to, to honor. honor. This is so crazy. Which there is nothing like that for dignity and contempt. Because dignity Once and contempt becomes your unhuman. ontological reality of like, right. you are no longer this kind of person. Right. Once you've lost your dignity, there's no way to gain it back. Once you've become contemptible, you are no longer worthy of humanity. There's no mechanism now, for that in that right, concept. There is no repentance. There is no coming back into the fold. There is no, mm-hmm. what's the recommunication is that a thing <laughs> excommunication recommunication the... uh reconciliation i think is the term reconciliation I, 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 that, I, I that's like a better communication term. though that's kind of awesome <laughs> right the, the, there's no bringing being brought back into the fold right which is interesting because honor is a, like we said about community mm-hmm. and when we talk about honor there's two types of honor mm-hmm. and we the, usually the way we the way you hear it talked about is there's horizontal honor and vertical honor right so horizontal honor is the mutual honor of the group the horse think of you're in the group you have it like you're out of the group you don't have it yeah horizontal honor is like a code that our group lives by it's what defines the group and you have horizontal honor if you're part of the group and like because we have such a honor deficient society especially in america we don't have a lot of this but one of the things would be like a sports team Mm -hmm. some sports teams like the 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 big sports ball like that football or something something like they have like 85 members on their team or whatever it's huge the 85 90 and not all of them you know make 90 players yeah right but if you're on the team, you're on the team. If you live up to the membership requirements of the team, you show up for practice, you do the work, you're there, you signed up, you You get a Jersey, go to the, you go to the games, you get a Jersey, you're on the team. Mm -hmm. And fans will like, (laughs) right. That's horizontal honor. Another analogy. You are the military. So like some people are like, you are in the military, you're a veteran. Um, You may have not seen, actual active combat but because you were part of the military you are shown honor by others right yes there are systems for explicitly celebrating and showing honor to you even if you specifically didn't like earn it as much as someone who like lost a leg or something like that um but you're part of the group and so you receive that honor de facto because you're part of that right it's the in versus out aspect and horizontal honor is is the baseline. Yep. This baseline. is that's that's the line between which there is honor and there is shame. 
Shame is when you are not part of the group. If you were part of the group and you no longer are, you now experience shame because you did not live up to the minimum basic standards required for the group. Right. And it's not, and, and when you look at shame in this context, like horizontal shame is not actually like necessarily a huge deal, right? If you're already outside the group and then you are looking into it from outside, like, well, you're not like, I'm not living in horrible shame because I'm not, you know, in the military. Like, well, that's right. Not for, that's not for everybody. Right. Um, but they have well, I, the presence of honor. So if, but if I was in the military and then I was kicked out, I got like a dishonorable discharge, right? That would be dishonorable. shameful. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason for that term, right? Um, Less than honorable. <laughs> right. But then there's ways. So like the thing is like, if you get booted out, like if you get excommunicated, right? Um, you have, you're in a, sitting in a position of shame, but I'm still... If the system is working, correct, the society is healthy, right? I still receive the dignity. I'm in a position of shame, but I still receive the dignity of having a path to regain that honor, to be reconciled, which is actually the point of shame. Like the entire point of shame is in order to heal the person who has lost honor. The right. goal to, always to, is to bring you back to honor. Is to restore you back to honor. Right. That's. And that's something that our society is missing. Is because they've all got the rid of honor and shame and went directly all the way over to dignity and contempt right. as their mechanism, which and, doesn't have that. And right. And if you only have dignity, if you lose honor, if you lose honor as a sorting value, mm-hmm. the only thing sorting value is whether you have dignity or you don't. Which causes all kinds of problems. Oh, yes. All but, kinds so, of problems. So horizontal honor is whether you're in the group or you're not. Yep. And then once you're in the group, there's the potential for vertical honor. Yes. And this is essentially climbing the ladder inside the group. Right. Being like in a sports team, it's the captain. The captain has an honor because he exemplifies the values and the goals of the group because right. he does an excellent job. And, and there can be more than one captain. Or there can be none, depending on what the scenario is and what the members of the group are like. And that's a really key point that you mentioned there about how it's the person who exemplifies and embodies those values of the group best. So we as humans don't relate. I mentioned this, I think, in the last episode, that as humans, we don't relate to values in the abstract. We relate to people who embody those values and the degree to which they embody them and our degree of our relationship to them determines how much that value is actually going to impact my behavior, right? So that throws threads of relationships within a community um, that impacts the behavior of the community, creating that shared sense of identity and belonging and value, um, and that transmission of elevating the behavior and thus the honor of everybody in the group are based upon the people who in that group who best exemplify those traits, the ones who are most virtuous. So you have these heroes right? This idea of a herohood, right? Where you have a person who is the hero of the group. They best exemplify the honorable values of that group. And so everybody else looks up to them within the group and try to emulate them. They want to be another one of those heroes, which is how you have this inheritance cycle of passing on the torch that I mentioned last episode, like with banquet and ball, like there was a passing of the torch that happened. New people rose up and were honored for being new exemplars 
of the values of the banquet and ball culture. And so yes. this is a system of vertical honor that transforms a community into a culture that can actually perpetuate forward in time. So these are the two kinds of honor systems that are important to kind of understand contextually in with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so we have this whole system of, gr- and what's important is that the values of the group mm-hmm. are good values because there can be honor systems (laughs) which are horrifically bad which is ironically what a lot of people think of when they hear about an honor system that system like abuses women that's terrible and they use an honor system to do that that must be an honor system about like well no that that uh, abusing women is bad (laughs) abusing women is bad and that's a bad value and the problem is that their honor system doesn't consider that to make you dishonorable right so the whole point of an honor system specifically like the point of all honor systems is to be conformed to the image and likeness of christ like that's the point of all of them and depending on how well the values of a a community well that's that's literally the idea is like if if you are in line with that you're going to have a healthy society a healthy community a healthy culture if you aren't in line with that you're going to have a destructive horrible evil system and culture right um so looking at the um the ideal the point for which god put an honor and shame instinct into each of us is for that purpose right this is why societies work this way is as a mechanism to draw us closer to him that's the underlying purpose people abuse it like they abuse everything um yes but that's the entire point so our contention here is that honor is a biblical thing but let's look at some scripture and such like because unfortunately i've run into it like honor there's there's there are subgroups and subcultures within christianity that are you know all about honor um but you've also got the ones that are like well no honor is bad and we should all be equal um and that's just kind of prideful and um it's like, it's not egalitarian enough. And I don't know, like people say weird things about honor. Um, Christians and non-Christians People say like, stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just in general. <laughs> um, so we're going to look at this from a, a biblical perspective. Like we just kind of laid out our terms and where we're coming at this from. But let's look at where, how is this brought out in scripture? Um, well, part of the challenge in, with this though. <laughs> yeah. What was interesting is, as I was like thinking about, we were thinking about this and like, okay, we need to tie this into like biblical principles. And then I was like thinking, like mentally thinking before I go, I try to always like mentally go through lists in my head, like do a mental search before I do the actual electronic search of looking through the concordance to find every example of it. Mm -hmm. I like to, because it like stretches my mind and sees like what, what the connections in my mind are. Yeah, yeah. As I was thinking, a lot of them were from Proverbs, oh, but a lot of it was like, it was a very, it, there was a lot in there, but I, I never really thought about it very much as a concept. And it I think that's never because like- it's very foreign to our Western, specifically American values. Modern, yeah. Because it's like, it, it never like defined, like it talks about like, this gives you honor, this gives you shame. 
go seek after honor in this way instead of in this way. If you're like, it doesn't actually define right. it. It doesn't actually sit there. Right. Okay, there, there's not, honor a, there's not a verse that tells you this is what uh, this is what is honor. This is not honor. This, this, honor. Is, this is this is how this works. Like, like like we just did. Like there's nothing that actually like lays it all out like we just did because that's kind of assumed within the culture of the time. Like this is just how things worked. And it's just seemed like, right. yeah, honor is a good word, just like good is a good word, right? Um, right. And so it's, it's kind of like the water that the Bible swims in. It's like this the generic, the general context that right. was always assumed by the people there. Whereas the, the axiom, does that, a fish know it's wet? Does a, if a fish, yeah. the idea is a fish doesn't know it's wet because that's just what its ex- reality is like. Right. And honor is the water in which the Bible swims. Right. It, it in which the authors of the Bible and it's assumed throughout the whole Bible, mm-hmm. but it's so assumed that you don't actually have to talk about it. It becomes kind of like, invisible. Right. I was thought when I was trying to come up with an analogy, it was like the assumption of needing logical arguments. Like <laughs> the point of an argument is to make a logical statements and counter statements and when you're arguing with somebody you're each trying to prove that your side is more logically sound than the other which is only one way of looking at it (laughs) right which is assumed in the western culture yeah that's just how our brains work that's how we've been raised everything about it is that so we just assume that's part of the argument every time that we both share that okay the rules for this argument that we're going to have is what we're both going to be making logical arguments and whoever makes the best one should win. Mm-hmm. Whereas and that's just in not other true cultures, in cultures. <laughs> it's like who tells the best story, you know, it, even like, it's not even like a competition. Like, like, it's like, well, we're both having this discussion around this topic and we're both just kind of talking around in circles and we're both going to come away with a different understanding by means of telling these stories to each other and they're going to be like hopping different contexts in different categories. They're going to be going all over the place. And somebody watching outside may not know which direction we're going in, but it's all good because that's just how it works. And that makes sense right. to certain cultures. Um, but right, which uh, just it gives doesn't... hives to Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Another example and... of this is the fear of the Lord as kind of this thing. It's like there's this phrase, like, you know, the fear of the Lord is this, and the fear of the Lord is that. And the, the, have the fear of the Lord. And like, well, what is the fear? And people debate all the time. What is the fear of the Lord? Are we supposed to be scared of God? Um, and this is actually, I think, a function of experiential education. Because we've talked about banquet and ball and how we come to it and we experience it. And we come away and we're like, well, that was life transforming and powerful and amazing. And it's a unique experience for each person, but we can't describe it. Like none of us can describe it in a way that exactly. would actually transfer that experience. You have to actually come and see. Very similar with Orthodox. Right. You actually have to come and see to actually get what's going on, right? And you have to like come multiple times, right. like spend time in it. Like, oh, okay, I'm starting to kind of get the hang of the general idea of what's going on. I'm starting to wrap my mind around these things that people have been talking about. Just reading about it is not a, a, re- a replacement. So like we read in scripture, like all this stuff in Old Testament Israel of their life, of all the cleanliness codes and the rituals and the sacrifices and liturgical services and the incense and all of this stuff that they're living in constantly, right? That's shaping every aspect of their lives where you, you 
approach the very literal presence of the Shekinah glory of God, you die, right? This is like something that they're living with constantly. This is something that they experience. And it's literally inside your camp. It's right there. It's right there. So this, this, this experiential education is part of the cultural memory of Israel. So when you say the fear of the Lord, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean there. <laughs> and we're like, right. but um, <laughs> what does that mean? Because you can't just, we read about it. It doesn't transfer that experience. In that Until you way. experience the presence of God and the very real mm-hmm. danger that is there. Yeah. So you, can, you, the, the fear of the Lord doesn't, click for you yeah so like in banquet and ball honor is something that we do we don't really like lay it out we just like well this is honorable and that's dishonorable and i'm, I'm showing you honor for doing that and you're like oh okay that means something and you move on and you're like you're, you're doing it you're not really thinking about it. you don't have like a chart <laughs> right. like, here's a definition the, and here's a point we, we don't make a chart of who's who has the most honor at the banquet and ball versus who had the least right it's it's a very right experiential thing. And what that does is it makes it real because, and that's one of the things like we've mentioned that we love about being the ball is, Mm -hmm. is it's an outlet for this honor Mm -hmm. and respect. It's rebuilding this system into something. What we reach are like, we've been missing this all our lives because all of society has been like cutting out the whole honor thing because it has a hierarchy and hierarchies are patriarchal and patriarchal is evil. Anyway, sorry, rant. <laughs> um, so they, they the radical like egalitarianism is in direct competition mm-hmm. to honor. Mm-hmm. And so you're imposing something- a strict dignity system and people have been like reading that back into everything and it creates nonsense and like it, it clashes with our natural instincts. So you come to a place where it actually has honor, like, oh, this is how things are supposed to work. I get it now. Right. Right. Coming home almost. Yeah. And then you come into scripture again. You're like, oh, scripture is operating from within this honor society. And it makes so much more sense now, as opposed to this weird dignity um, exclusivist type system where right. honor is completely excluded as a mechanism. And so you, uh, right. you, you remove a lot of nonsense in that sense. So Right. And that what's interesting is that ability to like, okay, having experienced honor, then you can go back and you can read like first Timothy five seventeen. let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. And it's just like, it's right there. Like, right. so obvious. <laughs> I've read that a bunch of times and like, okay, so what does that mean? I mean, yeah, you're supposed to respect them more but respect everybody the same because everybody and that, right. and that was all these caveats in the back of our heads right. like oh, oh that means this other thing over here like no but <laughs> that's an example of hierarchical hierarchical honor of yeah. vertical this, honor this vertical, right right here right here there's in there's horizontal honor of we respect them but then we respect them more because we're all brothers and sisters in christ that's horizontal they're elders right they elders, elders so they have vertical honor but those that rule well should be worthy of double honor, even more yeah. honor than just a normal elder. Yeah. Especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Again, we have another level. Yeah. And it's this idea of everyone here is worthy of honor and respect. Mm-hmm. 
because you are part of the group, because you are in the culture, you are what you are a child of God. You are a, you are a member of the church. Honor you all men. The bride Love of the brotherhood. It's there. Right. But double honor. <laughs> but, <laughs> the elders. Dub, but elders are worthy of honor. Yeah. Of like vertical honor. Yep. Elders who rule well are worthy of double honor. And especially those who labor in word and doctrine. Right. There's levels of honor. And this is absolute gobbledygook if all you have is a dignity culture. Yep. <laughs> if it's purely binary, then you're stuck to try and interpret this. Right. And yeah, just and once you're able to like kind of grasp, once you've experienced this paradigm and mm-hmm. what this looks like, all of these verses throughout Proverbs start to make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, the next one, problem. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Proverbs 26, 8. And there's a couple other um, ones along the same context uh, of this particular idea. But as he that bindeth a stone in a sling, so is he that gives honor to a fool. So like, like, like you are, you know, completely crippling your ability to be effective and also likely hitting yourself. I, 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 I ever read this verse, I always get the image in my head of the Ewok in Return of the Jedi, swinging the, the sling around and whacking himself in the head. It's just, I was that picture. Yes. I read this verse. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. It's so hilarious. Um, but yeah, I also, yeah, I also have this, I also have this picture of like, so, of like somebody new working with nunchucks. Oh my goodness. Think of a round and then it comes back and hits them in the groin. That's what I, oh that's my, my picture here. Oh, yes, yes. So that, that's <laughs> what happens when you give honor to a fool. It's like, right. don't you, give honor give, to certain people. If this person is right, a fool, you, is worthy of shame. So don't right, give him honor. Give honor to someone who's not worthy of it, who's not, who doesn't deserve it, who isn't part of the group, mm-hmm. who isn't living up to the basic moral requirements of the group. Right. It's going to hurt a yes. lot. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to just affect the society. So another example of this is Romans 13 uh, in verse 7 right at the end of the whole thing about, you know, the nature of government, all this kind of stuff. It says, render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, what, what's hilarious about this is that people use this and say, oh, yes, uh, every single government is, is equally um, blessed by God. And so we should show all of them honor. I'm like, no, that's literally the opposite of what's actually There's being said here. Some governors who are worthy of honor. Some of them there are actually some doing who are worthy of describing here. There are some who are worthy of taxes. Right. Not all. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is, and this is talking about being discriminate about whom you give what to. Yes, we're supposed to be. Dis- again, this, this, is, we lose this is in the positive discrimination. <laughs> right. This is, this is, this is something we, again, lose in the dignity culture. Right. We think everyone is worthy of honor. This now applies to all governments. And this now applies to every government leader. Which is a and problem. That's because, not what this means. Because some of those some are a terror to those who do good. <laughs> correct. <laughs> but honor to whom honor is due is an actual, like, exclusive thing. Yeah. What it's... It, by implication and by the very way it's rendered, there's there are those who there is no honor due to them, so you do not give them honor. Right. There are some who are worthy of fear, so you should fear them. Again, mm-hmm. the fear of the Lord. Yeah. And so when you look at this, there's always this 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 um, dual side to this. And we can talk about like a lot of verses about honor, but there's also a lot of verses that talk about shame. And shame has this stigma. 
inner side, because of the whole exclusivist um, dignity structure that we have, that um, there's a fear of shame because we see it as contempt. We are not distinguishing between those two, right? And so right. if somebody is feeling shame, it's like, well, that means, like, I've heard so many times, like, you can feel guilty, but not shame. I'm like, well, I kind of get where you're coming from, but. <laughs> so guilt and shame are both legitimate things that you They're can both feel. legitimate and they're things. good. And then self-contempt? No, that's not, that's not necessarily right. a good thing, right? Um, there's healthy um, expression of shame. We're like, yes, I did something that was shameful. I hurt the society. Guilt is personal, right? Shame is relational, right? So both of those are a valid response to sin and failing people, right? Um, shame, as we mentioned, is a opportunity for healing, for repentance. When you look at contrition um, in uh, the scripture, it's like a sense of being crushed, right? When you feel like I have it's a it's a realization yeah. of your shame uh, yes. of your guilt and shame and god blesses that. that you have removed that you are outside of the honor and that you need to be restored and this is the humility that is the path back to honor like shame is the pathway yes. to honor right that, that's how it works if you remove mm-hmm. your ability like well i'm not going to accept that shame i'm not going to acknowledge it i'm not going to claim name or claim that right um, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm getting salty today. <laughs> you have been spicy today. This is a, <laughs> um, if you're not going to accept that, uh, then you are actually rejecting your path back to honor, back to healing. Right. That's destructive. Uh, so, but the scripture is all over the place, hundreds of times. It talks about shame in positive ways, right? Like there's like these. This is just how the world works. Um, it's right, like just calling it out as a thing. Like it's not something like uh, you have an option. Like no, you do this. It is shame to you. Period. Right, Full right. stop. Right. So like Proverbs right. eighteen thirteen, the he that answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame unto him. Right. Like don't do that. Don't. <laughs> I, was, I was like you know quick beam in Lord of the Rings, which he didn't make it in the movie, of course, but he he was mocked him on the end because <laughs> he answered a question before he got he got he got all the way to the end. Uh, <laughs> Which I can kind of understand with the ants. It takes a lot of patience. <laughs> right. But he, he was shamed for it. He, he gave a nickname for it. You know, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Um, but that is something that's ontological. It's like, yeah, I, I messed up. I, I did not listen properly. I didn't care about the other person to listen effectively to what they were saying. Um, and particularly in this context, um, he probably is cognizant in context of like um, a court case, right? If you um, give a court judgment, before you hear the whole case, uh, that's a problem. That's a serious problem. That's a significant shame, right? Um, so th- th- there's like so many different verses that we could bring up relevant to shame. Um, we're we're going to do an entire episode specifically on that uh, coming up in this series. So we won't spend too much more time on that one. But let's look at yeah. how the relation of shame and humility and how humility, because that's one of the things that people bring up with honor. It's like, well, if you're seeking honor, isn't that pride? Isn't that arrogance? Well, no. No, if that's that. that if, you're, if, you're do, if you're doing it wrong, then yes. Right. But and again, it's it, this has to do with whether your honor is tied to what biblical honor is. If well, your values are correct, is, right? Which is interesting because a lot of times in the Bible, when it talks about honor, 
it comes from humility. Yes. Like Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but before honor is humility. Yeah, so the exact way, same way, thing is in another, like that, that particular verse before honor is humility is repeated a bunch of times in Proverbs. Yes. Yeah. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Just the concept yeah. that the way you get honor the way that honor is distributed is from humility, which is exactly the idea in the new Testament Mm -hmm. where Jesus taught where the, the apostles want to, uh, I forget who it is. It's James and John. Is that correct? I think it was of thunder. I think it was Peter and James. Mm. I think. No, no, the, the sons of thunder, Uh, right. Thomas and Zebit. No, Uh, anyway, when they're asking it, when their mother comes up and asks Jesus if her two sons can sit on his right hand and his left hand, these are the places of honor in his coming kingdom. He tells them that the way you're going to get honor, the way to receive honor in this new kingdom, in this new paradigm that he's setting up. You're right, James and John. Is that you? Yep. Right. Is that you have to be the least the way you receive honor is by being the servant of all he wants to be greatest among you he must be the servant of all this idea of humility is how honor is gained is yes it, people talk about the contrast between the old testament and new testament <laughs> it's not there god is the same yesterday and today and forever this has been there all but, the way from the beginning right th- this whole concept has been there all the way from the beginning it was just distorted and that's what jesus is talking about when he's doing the sermon on the mount mm-hmm. is it's he's People showing have forgotten what, what the true right they'd forgotten what the purpose of the law was yeah and what it actually was pointing to and that whole thing is actually uh talking about honor it's yes. talking about what the values of this of god's community are yes. this, this is what's important here so when you look at like are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. Right. That's an honor thing that yep. this is, this is the value that you should be looking for. Another example of like listing out these different values. I mean, all descriptions of righteousness um, fit this, but another example um, of like what we're aiming for is like Philippians four, eight, um, which is, you know, finally brethren, what sort of things are true. What sort of things are honest. What sort of things are just, what sort of things are pure. What sort of things are lovely. What sort of things are of good report. Right. Good report. That's kind of honor. Um, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Right. So these are the things that we're seeking after that we're trying or we're transforming ourselves by our thoughts as we're thinking about these things <laughs> that changes our behavior. These are the focus. <laughs> these are the focuses. This is a description of what it means to be an honorable person. Right. Right. Um, do you want to live in the group of the beloved of the do you want to be in the group of the bride of Christ, this is what you should be focusing on. These right. are, these are the goals of the group and right. these are how you get in and these are how you grow in it. This is how you achieve that vertical and that mm-hmm. horizontal on. Absolutely. And another direction um, that looking at this is um, people struggle. It's like, well, is this like well, scripture has this concept? Like, you know, we receive according to our deeds. Right. This is all through scripture. Now you can 
argue about how that relates into um, soteriology and salvation um, another time. But <laughs> it's there. <laughs> um, right. that th- this is a part of God relates to us and blesses us um, and interacts with us and, and, and saves us from our sins in relation to how we actually live out his, his um, presence and life in our lives. That's so the whole book of James is like dedicated to that. But also in Romans, um, in Romans chapter two. So this is like jumping in the middle of one of Paul's long things. So it's kind of right in the middle. He uh, has long sentences. He has long sentences. So <laughs> this is actually a whole sentence. Um, but he says in verse five, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, the Jew first and also of the Gentile. That's another horizontal honor thing right there. Anyway, uh, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. And here's what I find fascinating about this. So it's like, so there are people who are seeking for glory and honor and immortality, right? And there's people who are, you know, not obeying the truth and obeying unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Right. And the people that are seeking for glory and immortality, he gives eternal life. He gives glory and honor and peace to them, to those who are working good, to who are uh, doing well. Right. Patiently continuing, continuing in doing well. Right. Right. And the reason for this that he's given is like, because God does not respect persons. God God doesn't show favoritism. Right. Right. Which people will equate giving like well if you get more because you're doing more then that's showing favoritism like well no that's literally the opposite of favoritism yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> not how any of this works <laughs> in scripture this is contrasted with favoritism right so that's not favoritism giving you according to your works and according to what your acting actions are seeking Mm-hmm. is the very opposite of what favoritism actually is. If God just gave people, right, he gave access into heaven just on virtue of what nation they were descending from, that would be favoritism, right? That would be a problem. <coughs> but that's not what he's doing. Right. Like, the whole point of Romans is like, well, God, like, well, there's Jews. Like, we're special, right? Like, well, yes, but. <laughs> that's basically it's special because Romans. God showed himself to you earlier. <laughs> right. <laughs> But you still have to do something with it. <laughs> right. But if you don't live in light of that, it doesn't do you any good. In yeah. fact, it harms you because you've squandered the gifts God's given you. Exactly. All right. So there's another then, passage here that goes right. It's actually the same book as earlier talking about um, thinking on those, you know, what sort of things are good report and so on in Philippians that really captures a lot of this. And I love this passage um, in Philippians 2, 1 through 11. And this, on the first blush, looks like it's saying, don't seek after honor for yourself, right? So I wanted to address it because it does look like that. But let's look through it and look at it a little bit closer and see what's actually saying here. And actually really exemplifies a lot of what we're describing. It says, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, you know, good old King James, uh, bowels, you know part of our emotions in our heart uh fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind talk about community here anyway mm-hmm. sorry I'm getting, I keep getting distracted here <laughs> in line commentary 
Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's a lot of really important things in here. When Christ didn't lose his divinity. Like he didn't set aside the fact that he was God, right? That still retained. important. Very That's important. It's a uh, so very bad heresy that you can fall into if you deny that part, right? Um, Christ fully retained his divinity and Godhead as he took on humanity, right? But in that humility of taking on humanity, in lowliness, humbling himself, setting aside the reputation, right? Setting aside mm-hmm. all of that, becoming a servant, setting aside the honor, right? Christ, or God, exalted him, gave him a name above every name, gave him honor, like all of the honor, like the highest vertical honor you can possibly have, like beyond that, right? was given to him. So he humbled himself more than anyone, and he was exalted more than anyone, right? So the pathway to honor is through humility, because humility is one of the values that you have to emulate in order to be shown honor, right? So right. the whole point of this is that we are esteeming others better than ourselves. Like, I am not walking around and talking about how, hey, by the way, I did this really, really honorable thing yesterday. Did you know that? <laughs> I go, hey, Ravi, I saw you do this thing. That was really awesome. And I really respect you for that. Well done. Right. I appreciate you doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I show him well, honor. Right. That's one of the key things is that it's Honor is a non-self-focused thing. Yes. Honor is That's about- why it's relational. <laughs> right, it's relational. It's about caring about others. And it's about wanting to do what's best for others and thinking of the group more than yourself, thinking of others. And by doing that, by living in that way, you will be living in an honorable fashion and you will be worthy of honor for that. It, but for honor to actually work, you have to care about the opinions of others, of the yeah. group, of the body that you're together with. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have to be and you have to be looking out for their good. Yeah. And that's what this is about. And mm-hmm. the idea of humility and honor being so tied together. Yeah. The idea of it balances the whole thing. Right. The, and just to keep on coming up in my brain, but the, the con- <laughs> C.S. Lewis with the whole concept of humility. Oh, yes, yes. Humility isn't about thinking less of yourself. Humil- humility isn't me thinking I am worse than I am, actually am. Right. Humility is thinking of yourself less. It's about thinking, being less I think of others more. <laughs> right. It's about being others focused. That's what humility is. Humility isn't me lying about how what I am good at, about my strengths and weaknesses. That's not humility. Mm-hmm. That's actually a form of vainglory, but we'll <laughs> talk about that some other time. <laughs> probably That's, actually in our next episode. Oh, no, no, no. The next episode after that. 
but true humility is being others focused. And that's what it's talking about here in Philippians 2. And that's what it was talking about earlier, is that humility is the way we get honor. Before honor comes humility, comes others' focusedness. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's just there's just so much here. Um, <laughs> going through the Bible and looking at honor is just... There's, it's like, once it's like, you, it's like a fire hose. Once you, <laughs> right. Once you start seeing it, it's everywhere. Yeah. And, and, that and there's even like cautions like about how to relate to this properly. Uh, we're just talking about, you know, if you are seeking, if you're not being relational, if you're not thinking about others first, and you're being, if you're trying to aggrandize your own honor, if you're trying to push yourself up, it's foolish. It, it's actually dishonoring in the larger scale of things. Yes. Uh, even even um, if your honor system uh, in your country or into your society or in your church or in your community or whatever um, actually supports and promotes that, that's actually bad. It's because in, in, in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, um, it says we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. If you have a self-referential yes. honor system, that's foolish. That's broken. We need an yes. external, a perfect measure external to ourselves to measure, which where do we get that? Let another man praise you and not your own lips. That that idea yes. of yes. that idea of self self-referential honor <laughs> is not honor at all. Right. Which which ties in with that's in, pride. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and there's another another um, kind of tricky passage relevant to this in John five twenty three um, and twenty four. It says Christ is talking. He says um, all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the son, honoreth not the father, which hath sent him. Okay, straightforward. But then a few verses later, in verse 41, he says, I receive not honor from men. And I'm like, well, you just said we should all honor you. How does that work? And that's what this is actually getting at, I think, is that if you have a measure of honor that's based upon men, upon a self-referential system uh, of men, that's not honor. That's not something that's actually going to honor him. We should honor the son as they honor the father. So the Im the image and the likeness of God is our measure for honor. That's the standard. That's the def definition of the values that we seek out, which is why you look at Philippians. We see this example of Christ. Right? We should all be all right. like him and how he did this. Humility was how he gained honor. An honor system must be outside of yourself. Yeah. And there is no higher standard than God. Yeah. And that's why Jesus says, I receive not honor from men. Mm -hmm. Jesus isn't trying to live up to the standard of men. No, he that's, is, that's not he the, is the source. He is the standard. <laughs> he is the standard that we are all trying to live up to, which nicely ties back into what we were talking about at the beginning yep. with the whole being made into the likeness of Christ. Yeah. We're, we're trying to, the whole point of honor is trying to reconform and reconfigure ourselves, heal the wounds that are there. And it's about calling us to a higher purpose, to a higher calling, that it's not just me trying to be better than the person next to me. That's that mm -hmm. self-referential honor from Second Corinthians. Mm -hmm. It's not about me trying to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. It's about me looking to the perfect goal 
the highest calling, the calling of Christ, and me trying to make myself reflect that image better. And me being in community with other people who are also trying to do this and who are able to look at me and tell me where I'm doing this well and tell me where I am living in shame because I'm not reflecting that well and showing me the door so I can come back into that right relationship. So I can continue to grow, to be more and more in the image of God, in that perfect source and standard for honor. And that that's what orthopraxis is. Yep. Is us trying to conform our lives to this honorable standard, to this standard that is Christ Jesus. Amen. And that's that's why it says, be thou holy for I am holy. <laughs> right. Because and that's the end goal. It's not something that we're going to be able to do here on earth perfectly. No. But in the end, that's what glorification is is when we finally are made perfect and we're able to be like Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the goal. And, and, and every step along the way is us trying to live more in light of that. And it impacts all of our lives. This isn't something isolated to one particular aspect. That's why it says, as we say at the end of every episode, whether you eat or drink or do all to the glory of right. God. Whatever you do. It's not, it's not just one little part. Yeah. Honor like we were talking about at the beginning, honor is inherent to the whole concept. It's, yeah. it's the water in which we should be swimming. And yep. it's sadly the water that is attempted to, that has been attempted to be drained away from our culture and our society. It's being and whacked by very large mops by very angry people yes. who don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yes. And we will talk about that later. Indeed. A whole other episode dedicated to how to deal with society and culture that is being de-honored. How do you operate with honor in that society? That's one of the topics we want to bring up in this series. Yes. And it's this whole concept is just, it's like a paradigm shift, which is is two large words, which don't mean a lot unless you understand it. But basically it's like a new view on the world. And it helps clarify so much once you're able to start realizing it and especially once you can experience it for yourself yeah and that's what we want to bring you all along on this trip for is to join us on this journey of learning how to honor god and how god wants us to live in honor and humility and respect that's what earth praxis is all about indeed all right well thank you all so much for joining us absolutely been a blast and i love this and i'm looking forward to the rest of this series absolutely so make sure you join us on Discord, leave some reviews, likes, share with people that uh, you want to draw into the little clan that we're forming here. Uh, comment uh, all over the place and join the conversation. Let us know what you think. Uh, share other scriptures that you think are relevant to this or challenge us on this. It's like, hey, like I think you're completely wrong. Well, let us know why. And we can have a discussion. And we're not sure what rules the debate might uh, operate under. <laughs> but we will have a discussion. <laughs> Yes. Thank you all so much for joining us. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Amen. Amen.